So here's the thing I want to do this morning. I want us to begin to think as we begin a new year about what exactly in our lives it is that we need to be different. And I know almost everyone immediately would go to, you know, something about what we've all dealt with for the last two years, that we need a change in the pandemic, we need a change in, depending on your perspective, you're going to think about, uh, you know, all the things that get debated and argued and all the things that get discussed over the last couple of years. What I think we need that we may not be thinking about, what we may need to be different that we may not be thinking about, what we may need to grow that we may not be thinking about, what we may need to change that we may not be thinking about, is our faith. Every year I begin the year sort of thinking about a, a phrase or a, a, a word or a, a you know, I, uh, last year was a, was a year of sort of perseverance. It was a year of, of, of um, rising above. It, it was a year of enduring together. This year, as we go into a new year, 2022, I want to talk this morning about how to go forward in our faith. I really think the word for the year is forward, but the way forward is the path of faith. A lot of us think that faith is something you either have or you don't have. And so even if you're watching online, you may think, well, I don't have faith, so this isn't for me. But I would suggest to you that for most of us, our faith is built or lost. It, 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 it's won or lost, not one whole thing at a time, but bit by bit, grown bit by bit, lost bit by bit. And so I think as we mark a new year, it's a great opportunity for all of us to say, I want 2022 to be a year of faith and a year where my faith propels me forward. Forward. I think there are a lot of residual feelings that we all have from the last couple of years. I just wrote these in my notes very quickly. Maybe you want to write them in yours. Uh, they're very biblical phrases, actually. The first phrase I wrote down is the phrase losing heart. We're losing heart. Losing heart is a biblical way of saying that, that we're growing tired on the inside, that, that our souls are weary, that there is a struggle within us to continue to go on, to go forward, because we are... <laughs> We're not just out of physical strength, we're, we're out of that internal energy, the ability for the soul to go forward. The other phrase I wrote in my notes, again, two, two residual feelings from the last couple of years, I wrote, we're feeling the pressure. We're losing heart and we're feeling the pressure. Pressure is nothing new to life. Pressure is a part of life. It's a part of adulting if you will. However, wouldn't you say that the last year and a half, year and, year and three quarters, something like that, has been just a little more pressure? Well, don't you find that the pressure among people, does everybody, it's just right on the edge? I mean, at the holidays, you always think about people being stressed out and people sort of being on the verge of losing it or 
something of that nature. But this is more than that. It's like, it's like society needs a collective deep breath into the soul and a release. That idea of deep breathing in the soul from the soul is a spiritual concept, and we need our faith to help us do it. I came across these videos uh, some time ago. Maybe you've seen them before. We're going to start a video. I'm just going to let it play for a little bit. This is a video of a variety of things being crushed. By a, Craig, what is this? Is this a hydraulic press? What is this? That's good. All right, so there's your water bottle being crushed. I mean, what happens when we crush sticky notes? Oh, Ruby's Cube. Yeah, a little rubber ball. Yeah, oh, no. No, you can't do that. That's, that's not fair. Plastic, yeah, it doesn't hold up well under pressure. Yum. Uh, I bet they had fun cleaning this. Oh, yeah, with Cheetos, sort of. Oh, yeah. See, you might feel like the stuff that's getting pressed over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, that's going to shoot. Oh, yeah, that's fun. You don't need to melt your crayons. You just need pressure on the crayon. So here's the thing. I'm going to let these play, and you're going to ooh and ah and probably not hear a word I say. But the pandemic has created great pressure. I mean, just look around us. You know how to tell when you're facing pressure. You have conflict with those you love. You're less patient with the people you care about most. You worry about all the little things and all the details. You surround yourself in the shallow so you don't have to deal with anything that's deep. There's an irritability that exists inside of you that can't seem to go away. You can't focus on anything for more than 5 or 10 or at most 15 minutes. Your desire to quit and escape is growing stronger and stronger and stronger. You feel abandoned by everybody and everything. And there's an uneasiness, a worry, an exhaustion, a burnout, a lack of sleep. Do you know the pressure I'm talking about? The pressure building in your life? It might feel a bit like one of these things. It might feel like a mega clamp clamping down and pressing on all sides of your life. It might feel as if your mind and heart are caught in a car crusher or a barbecue, you might feel as if your life is caught in the gripping jaws of a pit bill issue that just won't let go of your life. Or you might feel like your life is a pinball, that you've spent the pandemic being bounced around on all sides by everything around you. The reality is that pressure can sometimes build inside of us and erupt like a volcano. That wasn't exactly a volcano, but sometimes when we feel the pressure, we feel like we're going to implode. You know, like, you know, when they take abandoned buildings or stadiums, they hook them with dynamite. I, I know, did they do that at the uh, Beaver Stadium yet? There's 
the seventh, right? I'm sure there'll be video all out about that when they demolish a part of the stadium, when everything implodes. So what do you think? Is this an apt description of how a society probably feels through the pandemic? We'll, we'll let a couple of more go by. We could probably do this. I don't know. There's, this was a 12-minute video, and this is part one. And then there's a part two and a part three, and you, you could spend hours watching this, I'm sure. I'm not going to let it play the entire sermon because as fun as it is for you to watch, we're here for it. Yes. Crush the broccoli. Need a little cheese with that. What is that? Lovely. Sponge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rubber band ball. Pretty good elasticity there. Ooh! Ho, ho. You know, everything has a breaking point, doesn't it? Everything. Us as well. We all have a breaking point. We, we should probably stop that video, Craig. It, it, it just depends on how long y'all want to be here today. I, I'm going to be here till. You know, well after noon, and so uh, and we have a second service, but that's all right. They can they can join right in. So the question I really want to ask is if if society knows what it feels like, even more than society, if you and I know what it feels like on the inside to feel like we're losing heart, if we know what it feels like on the inside to know that we're feeling the pressure, then what do we do? I've heard from so many of you and so many of us over and over during the last 18, 20 months that what we want to do is we want to go back. We want to go back in time. We want to sort of a back to the future moment, something that would allow us to go back to the way things were before the pandemic. And if life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it, then how is it scripture would encourage us when it comes to going back? I'm going to read a few passages from my Bible. I hope you would read along with me. If you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. We have Bibles on the back table. We have Bibles outside. We, we give our Bibles away for free. We think everybody should have one. If you have a Bible, you might read with me in some of these passages I'm going to read. I'm going to begin in Philippians 3 in just a second. Here's what I want you to listen for. Of what I'm going to read this morning, which of these passages are telling us that what we need to do is go back? Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. It says, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In context, this verse, this passage is largely about grace versus dead religion. And he is saying, I want to go forward in living grace, not back in dead religion. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, a very familiar passage says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, right, the ancients of faith, let us throw off everything that hinders, bless you, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and protector of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It tells us literally to consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old is gone, and the new is here. 2 Corinthians 4.16, where I'm going to spend more of our time today, says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So I was listening for a certain theme there. And the big question is, which of these verses from the Bible seems like what it's telling us to do is go backwards? None of them, right? I mean, the reality is, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, time goes on. And we can bury our heads in the sand all we want. We can look for escape mechanisms all we want. We can drown out the pain and try to get away from it all we want. But the reality is, time only moves forward. And the problem is, there is no going back. Even, even if there were, uh, you know, back to the future time machines. You know what we do, right? I mean, I learned this from all the movies. We would mess it up. Right? This is what we're good at as humanity. So then the question becomes for me, how do we go forward? If I have no choice but to go forward, because the reality is time marches on. How is it we go forward? And there's something special we do here at Harvest and in the church in general. We like to refer to us as a community of faith, right? That the primary reason we gather together, that that which is binding among us is our faith. Now, we could also call us a community of grace because it is grace that drives all we do. We could call us a community of love, of servanthood, of a variety of other things, a, a community of generosity, right? In fact, we talk all the time about three loves, right? And we have them on the wall in the building, right? Loving Jesus with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. 
loving one another the way the Bible says we're supposed to love one another, and loving the community, loving the world around us, the people of the community, the people of the world, in the sense of John 6, 3.16, that, that we are to have a love not only for one another, but a love for all the people of humanity that reflects the love of Jesus. One of the great things we do in encouraging one another in that love is to cheer one another on in this thing we call faith. And so the one thing I want to convince us of today, and sort of the theme for the year, if I could outline it this way, is this, that, that faith is how I will go forward. Faith is how you will go forward. That faith is the perspective change we need. Faith. That we need to stop focusing on the past, and we need to remember, we need to embrace, that we need to face the future with Jesus I think to a degree, Hebrews 12 was telling us that if we fix our eyes on Jesus, the, the pioneer and perfecter, the author and perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith, that that's how we run the race of life. I don't know about you, but I tend to find that I run my races forward. I mean, my balance is not all that great these days, but I can't imagine turning around and trying to run the race backwards. And yet that is largely what humanity is trying experimentally to do at this point. Faith is how we will go forward. I think a lot of times we spend a ton of energy, an exorbitant amount of energy in the past. But we're not going to be able to move forward or move on by focusing squarely in the past, in a lot of senses, I mean, Jesus is outside of time in a lot of senses. Jesus has been faithful in your past in a lot of instances. But I want you to look out into 2022. I want you to look out into the year ahead. And I want you to see that although you cannot see the things that are to come, that what you can see is that Jesus is out there in the year, willing to work, waiting to work, and the way we engage Jesus is certainly our faith. At some level, I would ask you, what do you have to lose? Again, we tend to think that faith is either something we have or don't have. But if you're watching online or you're here in the room and you would say, you know what, I just don't know if, if I'm a faith person. Maybe today, maybe this year, is the year to say, I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, certainly if ever there was a time period in the history of our lives to say, I'm going to give faith a shot, not just faith, but faith in God, faith in Jesus, I'm going to give it a shot. If ever there was a time to do that, certainly the opportunity in front of us is as good as any we've ever experienced. I read for you 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, just a moment ago. It said, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I want to come back to that whole passage, and I want to work our way through 2 Corinthians 4 today. But right in the middle of 2 Corinthians 4, it says this. 
I think there's great hope that comes from this text. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, the treasure being the gospel, right? The idea of grace, this, this idea that Jesus came, that he loved us, that he laid down his life for us, that he gave who he was to save our souls, that they buried him in a borrowed grave, that he didn't stay dead, that on the third day he rose to life, he defeated death, that he is alive today and wants to live inside of all of us. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are, verse 8, hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. This is telling us, friends, that we don't have to give up. We just don't have to. Because, because Jesus is there to sustain us. Because the pressure does not have to crush us. We don't have to give up. And frankly, we don't have to go back. Pressure does not have to demolish us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. Confusion does not have to depress us. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. Opposition does not have to defeat us. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. And hard hits do not have to destroy us. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. I love the J.B. Phillips paraphrase of this. He says, we may be knocked down, but we are never knocked out. So how do we resist collapse in the face of pressure? Especially when the temptation is to be solely backwards focused. Again, I'm going to come back to this concept of faith. Time is going forward, whether we like it or not. Jesus is in the year to come. How is it we're going to go forward? We're going to go forward in faith. And let's do it together. You say, what is faith? What is faith? I mean, faith at a base level is, we could define it a lot of ways. But to make it as simple as I know how to say it, faith is just simple trust. It's simple trust. At some, at some level, biblically, as we dive into what saving faith is, saving faith is a trust that what Jesus has done is enough. That grace is enough. If you were to make a list in your life, and I were to make a list in my life of all the things that we hope to change in the coming months, I think a lot of us would have pretty long lists, wouldn't we? To some level, I think God has used the pandemic to strip away, especially in American life, a lot of the things that we rely on that aren't faith to bring us back to asking us simply, is our faith in Him enough? How do we resist collapse in the face of intense pressure? 
How do we go forward when everything inside of us is losing heart? The answer for us again is faith. Is faith that will propel us forward. And it's not faith in faith. It's faith in a living God. It's faith in a living Lord, a Messiah named Jesus. Again, not faith in faith, but a faith in Jesus. So I want to give you four ways that faith provides strength and four ways we can embrace our faith together in the year to come. Number one, faith finds strength. Again, four ways, but faith finds strength. Number one, in sharing grace. In the ministry specifically of sharing grace. Sharing grace sounds like something we do before we eat. Like, who would like to share grace for us today? Meaning, who would like to offer up a, a prayer of grace, a prayer of thanksgiving? But it's far, far more than that. Sharing grace is living out a sense every single day that says, you know what, I don't deserve what God has given me, and other people don't deserve what God has given them. But instead of living in this world on a, on a you get what you deserve and I get what I deserve, I'm going I'm to live in a different world. I'm going to live in a world where what God does is give us pure grace. And he shows up and he works and we can share that. We can serve in that together. This is what chapter 4 verse 1 says. It says, therefore, since we have God's mercy or since through God's mercy... We have this ministry. I would suggest that the ministry is a ministry of grace. We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He says, and even if our gospel is veiled, hidden that is, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. He is speaking about his ministry and how his ministry is solely Christ-focused. But you could easily argue when you read all of the works of Paul that his ministry is a ministry of Christ's grace. And that largely what we need among us in this coming year is a leaning in to a sharing of grace. A leaning in into the servanthood of sharing grace. You know, I don't know what the primary message of your life is. For that message, I struggle a bit with what the primary message of my life is. But in the coming year, what I hope it is, is that it, that it has something to do with our faith going forward. But as our faith goes forward, I hope that coupled with it is a real sense of living grace. That as the grace of God lives inside of us, I can share grace with myself so that I don't have to be perfect and perform in everything I do to the perfect nth degree. 
that I can share grace with my family, that I can see them as people who are broken, who are flawed, who need the grace of God, but also the grace of me, that I can have grace for my coworkers and those I spend my days with, that I can have grace with my church, that literally we can stand and cheer one another on. There are these images in the Bible, right, of Moses when his hands are up and his hands got tired. They had Aaron and her to hold them up. That's what we are. We're a community of faith. Let's live out this grace together. Grace to my friends, grace to my neighbors, grace for all of us. Faith finds strength in sharing grace, number two. Faith finds strength in living hope. Living hope. There's been a lot of death. Twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. And death is a part of life. But let's not be callous about it. We find as Christians great victory in the concept that Jesus defeated death. Wouldn't you say? That he has both positionally and will one day finally and completely defeat all that death represents. We find great courage. We find great hope in knowing those truths, right? So as we see death do what death does in the coming year, let's embrace not a culture of death, not an uncompassionate view of death, but let's embrace a living hope. I have no idea what the future holds. But we often say, I know the one who holds the future, right? I got pretty discouraged, if I'm honest, over the last months. Because some of the people I've most heard, not necessarily speaking of our church, but some of the people I've most heard speak of death callously since the beginning of the pandemic were people of faith. And yet death is not what the faith is about. Listen to these words. Starting again in verse 7, just to pick it up and repeat what I've already read. We have this treasure, the treasure of shared grace in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written that I believe, therefore I have spoken. And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. And all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. For we who are always 
who are alive are always being given over to death. That is to say that, that we will one day die. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. It is the life of Jesus that is our living hope. And faith finds great strength there. It seems like in this life, as Christian people, we are barreling towards death. But the reality from a biblical perspective is that without Christ, we are spiritually dead. And that Jesus wants us barreling towards the life he wants to give us. That the grand reversal of the spiritual life is not life to death, but death to life. He said, I believe, therefore, I speak. The I believe there is the word faith. It's just, in our language, we don't have a verb for faith, so we use the word believe as a substitute. Faith finds strength in living hope. Number three, faith finds strength in inward renewal. Isn't that what we read when we began today? Verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. There's a lot of that happening. I mean, pandemic aside, my body can tell you that outwardly I am wasting away. Right? It takes all of about three seconds after waiting up in the, waking up in the morning for the inflammation to begin to kick in. And for your body to say, ooh, ooh, ow. You say, Brian, you sound like an old man. Perhaps. Nah. Part of life is pain. In fact, pain is a sign that you are alive. I don't know if you know any people who are dead. Of course you do. But you can't ask them if they're feeling pain. In fact, one of the great hopes of faith is that the pain will end but life does not right right that one day my pain-filled mortal body will be buried in a grave but the life of jesus will live on inside of me and one day this mortal body will be resurrected just as jesus is and our hope is not a pain-free future on this side of eternity but our hope is an eternity that is all as God intended. And I will get to that eternal perspective in just a second. But before we think about eternal perspective, we have to think about how inward renewal takes place. Faith finds strength in inward renewal. The idea here when he says inwardly we are being renewed day by day is he uses a word that means to be made new again. But in biblical Greek, there are a couple of versions of made new. And one is to be made new in, in time. It, it's sort of a, 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 a birth that hasn't happened yet, if you will. A, a newness from a standpoint of time, like a new experience. Something that's never happened before. That's not this word. This word is a renewal of i got to think of how to say this. A, a, a renewal of a different kind. That, that it's, it's a renewal that comes not in the sense of being young again, but a renewal that comes in terms of nature. 
that is different from what was before, that is better than the old, that is superior in its value or attraction. In that sense, our faith makes us new, where from the inside out we are made new. And I want you to note that it says we are made new day by day. This is part of why I say that that faith is gain or loss bit by bit. Day by day. The greater the pressure we face in this world, the greater my soul's need to live day by day or even shorter, hour by hour, sometimes moment by moment. When life feels its greatest pressure and you think you're about to, just like the you know, video sort of showed, those are the moments where we have to have the grace, offer ourselves the grace of saying, I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't, I don't have to have everything I need and everything that I want. That I just, in this moment, need God, need Jesus to be new inside of me again. Faith finds strength in shared grace. Faith finds strength in living hope. Faith finds strength in inward renewal. And number four, faith finds strength in eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. Verse 17 goes on and the chapter ends this way. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes which is interesting. Fix our eyes, right? It's the same phrase that was in Hebrews 12. The fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter in our faith. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I don't know about you, but there are many times throughout the last 20 months or so where I have thought to myself, my trouble feels heavy, not light. Where it has felt like this will last forever. It's funny, we have a running joke in our family. When the pandemic began, most of us thought, right, two weeks. Right? I remember sitting in a group of uh, pastors thinking about, right, the pandemic began in mid-March. Actually, the pandemic began before that, but our eyes were opened in mid-March 2020. You remember this, right? Right? There was like that March 13th or something was the day everything began to, to like in a cascade of, of one state after another. There was closures and, and, and stay home and, and you remember those days. And we have this running joke because I said something in one of those moments about this lasting years, not weeks. In fact, I think I said something similar to our team, to our staff, right? And there was, there was this sense in which everybody thought, Brian, you're nuts. It's not that I'm a Nostradamus. It's what had me was the word pandemic. Historically, pandemics don't last weeks. If they do, they're not pandemics. I don't know how much longer this lasts. I don't know how long this 
this thing we're all sick of goes on. But I know this. Our lifetime, my lifetime, I'm 40-something. Leave it at that. Is a scratch of eternity. If you were to send a rope as far that way as you could possibly imagine and extend the same rope that way as far as you could possibly imagine, my life is just this, this little chunk in the middle and the pandemic is just a piece of that junk in that sense from eternity's perspective our troubles are light why are they light because i have god inside of me and i'm not carrying them on my own my troubles are temporary why because they're momentary they will not last forever eventually trouble ends our troubles our struggles our pressures Right? It's what Revelation 20 is telling us. A life of hope where there's no more disease and no more sickness and no more sin and no more pain. What is seen to us these days is largely our pressures and our problems. Our aches of the soul in the present. Even the aches that nobody else knows anything about. But what is unseen is not just Jesus himself, but his work in our lives and all he plans to do in our future. And so according to this verse, I have a choice. Will I fix my heart and soul on my problems, which by the way are largely backwards related, or will I fix my heart and soul on my faith in what God is doing? Not just in time, but in eternity. Seeing the unseen only happens through the eyes of living faith. Because we learn from God how to see this life through the eyes of another world. The eyes of the afterlife, the eyes of the eternal life, the eyes of heaven. Essentially through the eyes of Jesus. This is my prayer for us in the coming year. Can I pray that with you, for you? You want to pray it with me? It's good. We always end our services with two prayers. I don't want to pray both of them today. We pray first a prayer of salvation. We pray it because any given day and time, we don't know who's watching or who's in the room that needs to say today is a day to begin faith and today I'm ready. But if that's you today and you're ready to say, hey, I'm, I'm tired of doing it on my own. Hey, today I realized that Religion is not about perfection. It's not about people pretending something. The Christianity is about Jesus and what Jesus has already done for me. And if you want to begin the faith today, you can right here, right now. Would you pray with me just like this? Dear Jesus, I ask you to take over my life and therefore take over my sins and my problems and my pains. I ask you to forgive me and be my God and help me to walk with you in living faith. And so I ask you to take my life and as my God, I turn my life over to you, Jesus. And I trust you for all that's to come.
Please live inside of me. Live your life through me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, that's a prayer that crosses from death to life. It's, it's, not the, it's not the prayer that does it. It's Jesus. We know that. I'm so glad you're in the faith. I would love to talk with you about it. I would love to help you understand more. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to talk about next steps and baptism, the community of faith, and how we all can help. If that's you, would you let me know on the communication card or the digital communication card? You can let me know or let someone know that invited you. Maybe you're sitting next to someone and you want to tell them. Maybe you want to email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com, and we'd love to celebrate with you. I always say we end with two prayers. The first is a prayer of salvation. A lot of you prayed it five years, five decades ago, right? Maybe five days ago. But if you're today saying, I need this living faith, I, I, I need this sense that we're going to go forward in faith, maybe you'd pray this prayer of application of discipleship with me. In fact, if you're in the room, would you pray it out loud with me if you're so willing? Jesus, thank you The faith in you changes my perspective. And so I put my faith in you, Jesus, not my faith in faith, <laughs> and certainly not my faith in me. And I engage what faith I have, and I lean on you. I trust you so that I can go forward. So that we can go forward in this new year. Give us strength in sharing grace, in living hope, in inward renewal, and help us to embrace an eternal perspective. In all we do, we live in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He's good, isn't he? He is. He is. So as we conclude the service today, I want to remind you of just a couple of things. One, we'd love to hear from you. In fact, if you would today say, today I'm embracing this faith forward concept. Maybe you just want to write on your communication card, faith forward. But we would love to hear from you. Your digital communication card, your physical communication card. Again, we're not passing a basket at the end of service. We have a box in the back for offerings. We have baskets in the back for communication cards. We would love to hear from you. And if you're our guest today, offerings is not what we're after. We care about you. We want to engage you. We want to know how we can help you grow in the faith with us together. All of that said, I want to give you this verse. I'm going to send us out today with this benediction. And I want to say it as a prayer. It's from the end of the book of Jude in the New Testament. It says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Just pause there. You feel like a person who stumbles, don't you? The ability to not stumble is not on you and I. It's what Jesus will finish in all of time. 
to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. If I can serve you in some way, I'll be outside in just a moment. Thank you for worshiping Jesus with us today. If you're online, we'll see you next time. Love you guys.